We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. In six years after winning Super Bowl 50, the Denver Broncos, from top to bottom, could easily be described by one word, unstable. With future ownership of the team being endlessly fought over by the heirs of the late Pat Bolin, three head coaches, and an endlessly revolving door of below-average quarterback play, one of the NFL's most proud franchises suddenly became irrelevant. But this season, promises to bring back that relevance as sweeping changes on and off the field have arrived in the Mile High City. But with hope, change, and promise also comes some uncertainty, especially amidst arguably the most competitive division in modern NFL history. Do the Broncos have what it takes to win that fourth Lombardi Trophy in 2022 or shortly thereafter? Joining us to answer that question and a whole lot more is current CBS Denver lead sports reporter, Denver Broncos cheerleader alum, and one of my all-time favorite human beings and best friends on this earth, Romy Bean. Romy, it is always the greatest joy to have you with us. How are you, my friend? I am doing so great, D. Crom. It's so good to be back on. I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while and look, just in time before things really get going. Oh, definitely. But it understandably took a while because you were busy doing an Emmy award level job covering the Colorado Avalanche in their run of the Stanley Cup, my friend. Romy, you deserve all the credit in the world for that. And hopefully it gets rewarded in some shape or form. But now back to the Broncos, who began the so-called offseason of immense change with the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett as head coach. While there is a lot to like about Coach Hackett, including his energy and unique against the grain approach to teaching, this feels like one of the more boomer bust head coaching hires I've personally seen, in large part due to the staff he assembled. None of the three coordinators, offensive coordinator Justin Outen, defensive coordinator Jiro Evro, and special teams coordinator Dwayne Stukes, have ever held such a position at the NFL level, and many of the other assistants have little to no NFL experience. Aside from Russell Wilson, why should Broncos fans be expecting the boom more than the bust from Nathaniel Hackett and company? Well, you know, it's, it's a great point, D. Robin. It, it really is one of those things that could go either way. Uh, but the thing with Nathaniel Hackett is when you look at his history and, and where he has come, he has earned the right, he's earned the opportunity, I should say, to be a head coach, right? And, and with a lot of these guys, right, you don't know, yeah, sure, he doesn't have any head coaching experience, but you don't get it. Uh, until someone gives it to you, you look at his track record of success. You look at his track record with players and you realize this guy is prime for his first opportunity to be a head coach. Um, The other thing with Nathaniel Hackett, why I feel like fans should be excited about it is it's not just that he's this fun. He's this bubbly guy. I mean, his personality is contagious. It's been a blast for us, a complete 180 from the last coaching staff. Uh, And I do think that factors in. I do think that they made a big change. Part of that as a result of the last coaching staff, really, really completely making a switch. But you look at Nathaniel Hackett and all of the guys he's coached, players get better under Nathaniel Hackett. It's not just that he's a fun guy. It's not just that he's a bubbly and that he's a very modern coach. Players get better under him. Some of these players and then we've looked at you go to Blake Bortles uh, Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams but, but it goes way down the line those are just the big names guys get better because he knows how to communicate with his players he understands how to relate to this generation of players and here in Broncos country we saw the last coaching staff and not to knock on them but they didn't really understand that they were still kind of living in that 
almost 1970s football world. And I have plenty of respect for running a team that way, but it didn't translate. And you saw it. The players were not inspired. They were, did not feel connected. These guys, they come out their OTAs and Nathaniel Hackett's running drills and, you know, he's playing <laughs> running back, but the guys love that, right? They want to come in because at the end of the day, yes, football's fun, but it's hard, man. What they do is hard. It's a grind. So to have a coach that understands that and brings in that kind of energy, it's so important, especially when you start to get into the real muck and grind in October and November of the season. Uh, so I think it's two things. I do think his personality is just, it's going to be a great influx of energy. It's something that this team hasn't happened. It's something that this team is really hungry for. And again, he's got a proven track record of success too. So it's not just, oh, he's a fun guy, right? It might work out, it might not. But the third thing is, George Payton has set him up to success. He has brought in a world-class quarterback. He has brought in some really key pieces in the offseason uh, on both sides of the ball. This team has been built up the past few years. There's a lot of young talent. So George Payton has really put Nathaniel Hackett in a place where he can succeed. He's not taken over a rusty old machine. He's taken over a team with a ton of potential. And so I think Hackett can really work with what he's got. Yes, and are you also sensing more closeness in the locker room than you did in previous years? You know, I mean, it's early, so so that's it's a little hard to tell, you know, and with OTAs, it's uh, I'd say I'd kind of have to wait on that to like really give you a full answer till camp till we see it. But what I do see is just a lot of excitement. And these guys are just they love the new coaching staff. Every time they're asked, like, hey, what's different about, you know, this staff to last staff. And they talk about just the energy, the excitement. These guys come in and they relate to them and watching film and watching cutups, it has been fun, right? And they find ways to make it fun and relatable. So I think the group as a whole has always kind of been close, but now they're finding this connection with the coaching staff. And, and it's really cool to see. And you can tell they're just, they're just eating it up. They love it. Oh, absolutely. You cannot deny that. And we are just over one month removed from a pivotal moment in Broncos history. On June 7th, the Broncos announced that the team would be sold to the ownership group led by Rob Walton, heir to the Walmart fortune, and his son-in-law, Greg Penner, for a record-setting price of $4.65 billion. And the group includes two historic firsts and co-CEO of Aerial Investments and Starbucks Vice Chair Melody Hobson, and just this week, former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, who will become the first black women to own a significant share of an NFL franchise once the sale is ratified, and it will be ratified. It would be an absolute shock if it is not. But that said, it is natural for an NFL fan base to have some trepidation about the team being sold from very successful owners to an unproven entity, especially given what has happened since the then Washington Redskins were sold to Daniel Snyder after Jack Head Cook's passing. But based on what we do know about the Walton Penner ownership group, are there many reasons to hope that the Broncos won't be getting such a massive downgrade in ownership? Oh, this is massive. I mean, ownership was, you talk about one of the most pivotal off seasons in any sport franchise's history. They got a new coach, they got a new uh, quarterback, and they got new ownership. I mean, it's, it's the trifecta, right? And they're just a, you know, you're so removed from, from a new GM. So this has been a complete overhaul, but <clears throat> there's so many reasons, excuse me, to be excited about this ownership group. And the biggest one is stability. Uh, you know, regardless of who, were to buy the team. This team has lacked stability for, you know, quite for quite a while now. And we have seen it in so many forms. We've seen it trickle down. That is a part of reason you can attribute to a lot of the trials and tribulations that this organization has gone through in recent years is because there was no ownership. And simply it's like anything, how do you run a business 
with no ownership. And that is no offense to Joe Ellis. I think he did a very admirable job and he was in a very unenviable position. He got a lot of flack and he did, he was just really kind of doing what he believed was best following in Pat Boland's legacy um, and in keeping things afloat. But regardless, there's so much strife and everything with the family. It was so needed, I think, to bring in fresh face, to bring in some fresh energy. And you look at the Waltons and they have a huge history of success, obviously with Walmart, with everything that they've done, but then to bring in the people that they have brought in, they just keep adding power to this group. Melody Hobson is unbelievably impressive. Condoleezza Rice, we know she's got a football history. She's also got a Denver connection. She went to DU. Uh, and so they are just really in every way solidifying a powerhouse ownership group and a group that I believe is really, seems focused on focusing on the business part, letting the football people do the football part. And I think that is crucial. And it seems, obviously it's early days, but it seems like they're very confident in George Payton. And, you know, there's been rumors, perhaps they bring in Peyton Manning, but really kind of stick into their lane. And I think that's the biggest thing with ownership. And it looks like this group is going to do that and do it very well. Oh, absolutely. And I constantly told Broncos fans that regardless of who ended up owning the team, whether it would have been Brittany Boland, the Waltons, or somebody else to expect any of them, even Brittany Bolin to be as successful as Pat Bolin would be unfair. Do you share that view? You know, I think, and this is, and this is even something I had to come to terms with in terms of knowing Pat Bolin, in terms of being part of the organization when Pat Bolin was there every day is ownership has changed. Pat Bolin is, is almost a unicorn of an owner. Those kind of owners don't necessarily exist anymore. And there's for a lot of reasons. One, Pat was very, all he wanted to do was own a football team in many ways. Um, and he was very invested and he was very invested in, um, in, in the team in a lot of ways that some owners not, aren't necessarily. Uh, but in terms of kind of that day-to-day, -day, he was always on the field, you know, and, and it's different from organization to organization. But I think the biggest thing with Pat was that he wanted to win. That's all he cared about. And that seems to definitely be a focus of this ownership group as well. And I think that's really as much as you can ask for. I mean, now this has gone from a almost $5 billion enterprise, right? So your ownership, you got to be focused on the business side, but you got to care about winning. And you get the sense that this ownership group cares about winning. They're going to put in the funds in the assets so that this team can win. And if they do that, you know, they're going to be successful in a different way. I think Pat had a very close connection with this community. That's not necessarily owners nowadays don't necessarily just have that connection, right? And that's not a good or, or a bad thing necessarily. So I think, yeah, they may not have this personal connection that Pat had with the community, but I think they have that same drive to win. And really at the end of the day, that's what matters most. You said it, Romy, and as big as having a new head coach and owner is, the biggest new addition to the Broncos came in March as they pulled off a blockbuster trade for Russell Wilson, stopping that six-year carousel of below-average play at the most important position in football. And this trade occurred almost 10 years to the day that the Broncos signed Peyton Manning. What similarities or differences do you see with the arrival of Russell Wilson in Denver compared to that of Peyton Manning? You know, it's so interesting because I think it's so easy to compare it to Peyton Manning, you know, in terms of guy needed a fresh start, guy had won a Super Bowl with, with the team he was with before, you know, a perennial Pro Bowl or all, all of these things. But the situation in a lot of ways is really different. Remember back with Peyton, it was after injury, it was almost 
like they were taking a bit of a bit of a gamble uh, on Peyton, right? The, the Colts were kind of letting him go. It was a different situation in terms of departing from the old team. But the, the similar thing is that it does seem like both needed a fresh start and that the way when Peyton came here and they got off to, you know, a little bit of a tough start and then just caught fire. Right. And then those years he was here every year, they were perennial contenders, you know, every year they were on top of the division. I think all of those things very much can be the same situation here with Russell Wilson. Um, a big part of that is, is who they are in kind of their chemical makeup. Russell Wilson's very similar to Peyton in, in terms of how meticulous he is in terms of his preparation. We've seen it all off season. Even right now he's, he's out working with keeps bringing guys to his compound, which is crazy. He's got that whole facility <laughs> in his house, but even though he's traveling the world, he's in Monaco with his wife and then he brings his pads and his football helmet and he's practicing, you know, after he's watched in the grand prix, you know, he is just so meticulous. He's so detail oriented and I think that part is very similar with Peyton. I think the other part is leadership. For this team, there's so much talent on this team, but they have so sorely lacked a, a true leader, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you bring a, a guy like Russell Wilson and everybody follows. He's so charismatic, but you know he doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. And people want to follow somebody like that. And so I think that in a lot of ways, there are similarities. Obviously, you know, their resume is, is similar. I mean, Russell arguably should have won two Super Bowls, right? Uh, but um, <laughs> so I think in a lot of those senses, it is. And, you know, the another big difference, though, is Russ is younger. Russ has got a lot of years under his belt. So this could be a longer run as well. Yes, but several notable football analysts do believe that the Broncos trade for Russell Wilson is more risky than some think because Russell Wilson's game is predicated on his ability to extend plays indefinitely in order to throw that trademark deep ball of his. But advanced data suggests that that ability has already begun to wane. Moreover, a limitation that Russell Wilson has in his game due to his height is that he is not at his best attacking the short to intermediate middle of the field. Thus, the Broncos are going to likely see those trademark too high safety looks. Thank you, Vic Fangio. That revolution in the NFL is real from defenses all the time in order to take away that deep ball and force him into throws he's not good at. Is there any level of concern within the Broncos that Russell Wilson's best days may be behind him and defenses may have him figured out? I, I don't think so. I don't think they would have made the trade if they felt that way. I mean, look, you can obviously always make that argument until proven different. Right. And there's, there's, like you said, there's analytics to, to back that up. Uh, but I also think that it's, it's one of those things that the group surrounding Russell Wilson this year is a really recipe for him to be successful. That backfield, that tandem of Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are, are going to be massive for him. He has got, yeah, you could throw the altitude in there for the deep balls, uh, you know, maybe get a little more, even a little more air up there. Um, but he's got this really talented group of, of receivers. So he's got all the pieces around him to be successful. And the truth is, when you look at Russell Wilson, uh, we look at him training, you look at his body type, man, he's such a big guy. So he's huge, right? Everybody's like, man. He's bulky, he's, yeah. He's bulky. But that's crucial for him, for his style of game, because he does get taken down a lot, because he does extend plays, because he does like to carry the ball himself. That will, helps him stay healthy uh, in terms of the style of play that he has. Now, look, that's the beauty of the NFL. Defenses figure you out. It comes down to who's better. Can I trick you? Can I, you know, and with that's where IQ comes in. You go back to that 2015 season. That was one of Peyton Manning's worst seasons, if we're being honest, right? Yeah. But he was so smart. He knew what to do. 
when his offensive line crumbled, he knew what to do. He knew how to get that ball out. He found ways to fool the defense, to get them to jump, you know, to get some false starts, um, you know, because he used, he used his brain as well as his skill set. And I think Russell has that is a similar way in that sense. If something's not going to be working, they're going to figure out, you know, kind of how to do it. The other difference is, and a lot of people have talked about that, this is that Pete Carroll's system wasn't necessarily feeding into what Russell does best. Nathaniel Hackett, and he said it from the beginning, it's, all, it's not, this is my playbook you adapt to me. It's let me adapt to you. How can I make you more successful? This is what you do best? Okay, let's do that instead, even though I came in with this idea. So I think the harmony of those two working together, they're going to find their ways to be successful. Does that mean defenses are going to not get to them? No, they are. But I think it comes down to, right, who's smarter, who plays better, how do you adapt? And it's kind of what football's all about. Yep. When the defense zigs, Russell and the Broncos are going to have to learn how to zag. That is all there is to it. And because of that trade for Russell Wilson, the Broncos did not have any premium draft picks this year, yet they still wound up with a solid 10-player haul with a Nick Benito, a pass rusher out of Oklahoma, Greg Dulcich, a tight end out of UCLA, two Underrated fourth-round picks in Damari Mathis, a defensive back from Pittsburgh, and Ayomo Wazirike, defensive tackle of Washington. And then they beefed up the special teams, DeLaren Turner-Yell, um, Montreal, Washington, and uh, offensive lined up with Luke Wattberg, more D lined up with Matt Henningsen, and another corner in Fayon Hicks. And we all know how great George Payne's inaugural draft class as GM was, but it wouldn't be fair at all to expect a similar impact from this class, especially right off the bat. That said, if there's a player from the Broncos 2022 draft class who will have a sizable impact this season, who will it be and why? I think uh, Greg Dulcich is, was a great get. Uh, obviously, everyone in Denver was kind of hoping for Trey McBride. They knew he would be gone. He got close, though. Uh, but I think Dulcich has an opportunity to compete for that starting tight end job. Uh, the team's obviously not sold on Albert Okwebunam. And in one of those situations where it could bring, bring out the best in them. This could bring out the best in Albert O. Um, but I think this is a really uh, opportunity for Dulcich to make an impact at the tight end position, which hasn't had a huge impact on the Broncos offense in recent years. In fairness, Broncos offense hasn't really had much of an impact in any regard, right? In recent years. Um, <laughs> but Dulcich, I think, has an opportunity to be a big impact player. And part of that reason, too, is if um, uh, if KJ Hamler is fully healthy. And when I say that, I think back to or I refer to the Chiefs with Tyreek Hill. One of the reasons that Travis Kelsey, now I'm not making a Travis Kelsey comparison by any means, he is in a different league, but one of the reasons among many reasons that Travis Kelsey was able to find so much success was the speed that Tyreek Hill brought. Tyreek Hill completely opened up that offense allowed Ty and allowed Travis Kelsey to just wreak havoc in the middle, do what he does. If KJ Hamler can get fully healthy, uh, the speed of him and the speed of Jerry Judy can really open things up for Greg Dulcich, and you might be able to see a similar kind of thing happen. And that's why I feel like he has an opportunity to be very impactful if KJ Hamler is fully healthy. If you have that speed that can really blow open this offense, Dulcich can be a big player. I'll give you another one. Montreal, Washington. Really excited about this guy. I think he has a chance to win the returner job. Uh, he's out practicing with Russell Wilson before camp at, at, at Wilson's compound. Uh, but this is a guy really interesting. They took him, comes from a small school. But from the jump, it was very interesting. George Payton said, yeah, we believe he, he could be the guy. So a lot of eyes are going to be on him 
at training camp, really excited to see what he brings. And that's another position that this team has been trying to find someone, you know, just a stable returner, uh, you know, for, for years. So really excited to see what he brings. I think he could kind of be the big, almost surprise of the draft and, and a great pick that they got late if he really pans out. Oh, myself and all of Broncos country have their fingers crossed that you are proven correct about Montreal, Washington. And speaking of Greg Dulcich, uh, we had uh, my good friend Mark Schofield of the USA Today Touchdown Wire on the program uh, last month to break down all the draft classes in the AFC West. And uh, he agreed that what makes Greg Dulcich such a fantastic fit for Russell Wilson in particular is because he has a verticality to his game that not very many tight ends do. He is going to rip apart that deep middle that Russell Wilson does throw to, not necessarily that intermediate to short middle. He is that tight end that Russell Wilson loves. It might not have been Trey McBride after all. Yeah, absolutely. I think he is a really good fit for this offense. I, I think they got him at a, a really good place. The tight ends kind of fell a little later. It was such a deep tight end draft class was the thing that a lot of teams felt and knew that they could wait a little bit on these guys. So they got really good value picks uh, on some of these tight ends. It was a really strong tight end class. And and uh, exactly what you said, he is he works with Russell Wilson's skill set where Russ likes to throw. And again, if you have all these pieces and these healthy wide receivers, it's going to open up a lot of things for Dulcich and, and he's big, he's long, he's fast. He's got that, that vertical skill set, if you will, uh, that Russ loves. So I think it could be a really a recipe for success. Definitely. And now it's time to talk a little fantasy football because I'm already starting to prepare for my upcoming fantasy football drafts in September. And for the first time in what seems like a long time, the Broncos have an entire offense that will be fantasy football relevant. And I have two fantasy Bronco centric questions for you. And uh, the first question I'm reminded of a new song by Luke Combs that starts out when I was 15, I had running back dreams, but never did run too far. But Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams obviously ran very far and uh, they form one of the most enticing backfield combinations in the NFL. And the Broncos are going to be leaning on them a lot, especially to help open up that deep passing game for Russell Wilson. And currently, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, a great website, uh, the average draft position or ADP of Javante Williams is 14 overall and the ADP of Melvin Gordon is 73. Do you think Javante Williams is worth the 14th overall pick in fantasy leagues, regardless of format, whether it be a PPR, non-PPR, half-point PPR at all? Or would you rather take Melvin Gordon and his current ADP? And keep in mind, there are still some people out there that have some concerns about Javante Williams' fit in this uh, new uh, zone-based system because of his indecisiveness at times. Oh, man, I, I think he is a value pick. I think he is ready for a big breakout year. I mean, we saw it kind of happen, start to happen last year. They are still going to share reps in the backfield, which is something to consider, right? He's not going to be the lone back, so that might change things. But we have seen him literally drag defenses down the field. And last year, it was literally a 50-50 split with Javante and with Melvin Gordon to the point where it was maddening. It wasn't with, we go with the hot hand. It was, nope, we have decided we're going to play you on this drive and you on this drive. And, and so I think it didn't allow either guy to really get into a groove again with this coaching staff that is just more, you know, reading the room, if you will, uh, and doing what's best for the team to find ways to win. I think when Javante gets the hot hand, they're going to ride with him. I think they're going to do the same thing with Melvin, but I think we're going to see a big year from Javante. And even though they're going to be sharing carries, he's going to get a bigger load. Uh, and the other thing to consider is because it is both Javante and Melvin, 
that's really good for your fantasy in terms of the full season long. It's, I think it's going to protect both of them from injury. So you're going to be able to have a guy down in, in your playoff run that's making impactful plays. So I'm all about it. I think it's going to be a big year for Javante really excited to what he can bring. And, you know, yeah, he needs to make more decisions, but that's on him to make that year two leap. I think we're going to see it. Sounds good. And second, which Broncos wide receiver should fantasy owners be targeting the most in their drafts? Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, or Tim Patrick? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I would go with Cortland Sutton. I think Cortland Sutton is going to have a really big year with Russ. We've talked since Court got here about how that guy is just a master with the 50-50 ball. Never really had the opportunity with Teddy or with Drew because they didn't really make those throws, right? Russ can make those throws and Court is the guy that can go up and get it. He's going to beat your defender. Uh, and, and I think he's going to, I think he is gearing up for a really big year. He's obviously come a long way since he, you know, tore his ACL, uh, but he's fully healthy. He's fully back. I think he is going to have a big year. I would go with Court. I think he's going to be one of Russ's favorite targets. You hear that sound? That is our simpatico alert. We sound that alert every time there's agreement about something significant on this program. And you and I are in agreement that Cortland Sutton is the Broncos wide receiver to target in fantasy. I completely agree. His skill set and uh, the improvements he's made in his route running and his elusiveness uh, over the years. And plus, he's uh, two years out from that knee injury. He is 100% healthy now. He is going to be the star in this past game. And we saw some of what's to come at OTAs in those highlights easily. Cortland Sutton. Button, the Broncos wide receiver to target at his current ADP. And we are just over a week away from the start of 2022 Broncos training camp. And uh, thank God we don't have to worry about a quarterback battle anymore, but there are several other position battles that are worth paying attention to. Which one of those should Broncos country be paying the most attention to? You know, it's not the sexiest, but you got to look at the O-line. Uh, you know, I know that's kind of not, not the fun one to necessarily watch, there's a lot of competition and it's going to be very interesting to see how this pans out, obviously, because they're moving into this outside zone system. So now one, we're going to see which players from the last system can adapt and fit well in this scheme. It's a different scheme. It's a, about being faster, uh, you know, moving together. It's different. So we're going to see kind of whose skill set translates best. There's also a, a lot of competition, right? Tackle obviously still was kind of the one position I felt like after the draft that everyone thought may, maybe we could have added something there, right? But George Payton had said they just didn't feel like at, at where they were picking, there was, there was the right choices for them. Uh, so right tackle, see who solidifies that job, who can take it over. Obviously they brought in some help. Uh, you know, will it be Billy Turner? Will Calvin Anderson, who has been, you know, a great guy. He's a great guy. People really like him here in the community. He works hard. Maybe it's him. Um, but the interior is going to be really interesting as well. Dalton Reisner, obviously going for a big contract. You know, he's had, uh, after his rookie year, you know, he certainly had some ups and downs. This is a huge, this is a massive year for him. Will he work in this system? Natani Muti's right there, chomping at the bit, trying to, you know, maybe get his job. On the, on the right side, there's Graham Glasgow getting a little bit older. So I, I feel like there's a lot of guys in the wings trying to compete, and it doesn't feel like anyone really has a full hold. Garrett Bowles does, but really outside of him, does anybody have a really firm hold on their position? I'd argue, no, there's Quinn Miners. Quinn Miners, first of all, he's a blast. We love the belly. 
another guy though that's up and coming that might fit a little better into this system so the offensive line battle is going to be really interesting uh, especially in the interior like I said and on the right side um see who fits in see who who works best with this coaching staff and I think in regards to that when you get a new coaching staff everything's up for grabs they often say you'll talk to players and they say you know uh you're not their guy right the the draft class they drafted in those are their guys outside of that no one's their guy so uh, everybody in a lot of ways is competing it's going to be interesting defensive lines going to be interesting as well uh one guy it's going to be i think is going to have to have a massive camp is uh mike purcell who's had a few really big years here but they brought in dj jones i think draymond jones is gearing up for a breakout year but we still want to kind of see what they're going to do with the defensive line and of course linebacker that was the other position right outside of right tackle that everybody said thought maybe they were going to go grab an inside linebacker in the draft. That one's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, Nick Benito, do they move him inside a little bit? I don't, I don't think they will, but they love, they'd really love Josie Jewel. I do think Josie's a little bit underrated overall. Um, and the one thing with Josie that doesn't necessarily get, uh, not enough credit perhaps, but if you talk to anybody on the team, they will tell you how he's just brilliant with communication. I mean, he really, you know, pulls off the Mike linebacker job and you saw a difference. You go back and look at that film and you see a difference in the communication and the guys understanding, you know, where they're going. Uh, so I think that and Baron Browning, that's a big question. What are they going to do with Baron Browning? Keep him inside and maybe move him outside a little bit. A lot of questions kind of in that linebacker one. That's going to be a fun one to watch. It'll be interesting indeed, but here's a point that we all have to emphasize a lot more to Broncos fans. Uh, Jiro Evero, he is coming from the Rams, and the Rams, more than any other team, de-emphasized, and I mean de-emphasized, that traditional inside linebacker position in recent years. No team like had more dime looks on defense than the Rams did over the past several years, and that's what Jiro Evero wants to do with this defense. So to keep in mind, the NFL, your base defense is uh, only out on the field for like 30% of the snaps, if not less, 70% you're in your sub packages and your sub packages often include like one fewer linebacker and uh, two extra defensive backs. So that is a very important thing for Broncos fans to keep in mind about that inside linebacker position in this new Ajiro uh, Evero uh, defense. And I'm glad you mentioned the offensive line though, because if there are two position groups that I think separate the Broncos from being a good team to a great team as of right now, it's the offensive line or the defensive line and pass rush. Which of those two groups do you think is the biggest weakness on the Broncos right now? That's interesting. Uh, I just want to echo what you said about, about uh, the linebacker. It's absolutely true. And I think that's a big thing that people aren't necessarily looking at, but the way that defenses, the way that the game is played it has changed just so much where you don't necessarily traditionally have two inside linebackers in there, you know, three down. Nobody really does that anymore. You can give credit to Vic Fangio. He's one of the architects uh, of that in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that, that that's a big deal. Uh, you talk about defensive line, offensive line, and, and it's really interesting. I do feel like this defensive line, and we got us wait and see it in action, but with DJ Jones in here, I think that changes the game. I think DJ Jones coming in is going to help Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, big question mark. Got to make sure he's healthy, but it's going to help them rush the passer more. You got that guy straight up the middle. Such a big key to being able to rush the guys on the outside is a big guy that's putting all that pressure up the middle. Look at the Rams. You saw it with the Rams, right? You want to go to a Broncos reference, go to 2015 Malik Jackson, man. 
creating so much stress up the middle allowed the guys on the edge to do their work. So we got to see it in action, but I do feel like the addition of DJ Jones is going to be huge in terms of rushing the passer, in terms of getting to the quarterback, but you want to talk about rushing the passer. This is why the offensive line is going to be the biggest question mark. You look what the teams in the division did in the offseason. You have now got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones together on the Raiders. You've got Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa together on the Chargers. Look, rushing the passer, the most important thing in, in football outside of a quarterback position is getting to the quarterback. And the teams in this division have loaded up on talent, on pass rush. So the offensive line, I mean, it is going to be, you know, I think former um, Broncos offensive lineman, Ryan Harris, when they were making all those moves, just said, you know, prayers up for, for all the offensive lines in this division. It's going to be a battle, but that's why that it's going to be so crucial. And that's why I would say it potentially is their biggest weakness, especially when you consider who they're going up against. I mean, this especially in this division, it's going to be a battle of attrition. It's going to be about getting to the quarterback. Those offensive lines are going to have their hands full. Oh, those AFC West offensive lines are going to have their hands full for sure. But speaking of that Broncos pass rush, the Broncos have numerous players coming out of contract after the 2022 season, such as Bradley Chubb and Draymond Jones. Which of those impending free agents do you think is most likely to get re-signed to a long-term deal? Draymond Jones, Bradley Chubb, or someone else? Interesting with Bradley Chubb because he is obviously, you know, Bradley Chubb is, it's been a bummer because his career has mostly been plagued by injuries, uh, things that uh, in a lot of ways were out of his control, where it still feels like we have not seen the best of Bradley Chubb. He's got to have a huge year. He's got to revert back to that rookie year where he had double digit sacks, where he set the rookie franchise record for sacks. Uh, he's going to have to have a massive year to get a big contract. And it's also one of those things that you could consider though, that if Bradley Chubb does have a massive year, is he used as trade bait to get some more draft picks? Because we know George Payton loves his draft picks. Not having a first and second round or two years in a row has got to kill George Payton. Uh, so the Bradley Chubb situation is interesting, but he's going to have to have a massive year. I think Draymond Jones is in for a, a massive year. I really do. I think the addition of DJ Jones is going to help him also have a really big year. But it all comes down to performance and it's all in the NFL. What have you done for me lately? So I think both of those guys, they got to have huge years. They got to have huge years or, you know, they may get, they may get deals. They may get shipped off elsewhere. Another guy to look at Stalton Reisner, man, he's got to have a huge year. He may not get that big contract he wants as well. So there's a lot on the line for a lot of guys this year, but that's always a good thing, right? That's, yeah. that's what you want to see. Cause then we're going to see them playing their guts out. Definitely. But if you had to just make a guess at this point, which of those three players do you think is most likely to get re-signed? Oh, get re-signed. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Draymond Jones. I think he's been gearing up. I think he's a powerhouse player. Uh, I think he is a guy that we saw it, man. There were times last year where he was just putting so much pressure, uh, you know, uh, on quarterbacks. I think he's going to gear up for an even bigger year. And uh, I would go with Draymond Jones. I, Feel pretty good about that. She is my best friend, Romy Bead from CBS4 Denver. Follow her on Twitter at Romy underscore Bean and on Instagram at Romy Bean. Romy, thank you so much for joining us once again. But before we let you go, we got uh, two more things to do. First, 
we want to make some 2022 season predictions for the Broncos. And uh, I am not going to ask you to predict uh, their final record or whether or not they make the playoffs or the Super Bowl. We're going to just predict uh, individual player accolades, starting with the Broncos MVP for 2022. And is there anybody you can think of outside of Russell Wilson? Wow. No, no. I think it's, it's got to be Russell Wilson. Uh, I think for for no other reason than the quarterback play we have seen the last five years, whatever he brings is going to be a 1000% upgrade from what it's been the past few years, but as well, but really too, at the end of the day, and we've realized it's a quarterback league, the success of this team is really going to ride on Russell Wilson either way. So it's, it's gotta be Russell Wilson. What about the most improved player? See, I want to say Pat Sertan, but I can't because he's already so great, but I think he's going to be even better. Uh, most improved, most improved, most improved. You know what? I'm, uh, I'm going to say Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy, there's a lot of question marks on Jerry Judy. Is he going to you know, deal with his dropsies a little bit? I think having a great quarterback is going to help him succeed a lot. But Jerry Judy, especially, has got a lot of pressure on him being a first-round pick. I think we're going to see big things from Jerry Judy this year. What about a sleeper? And I mean a sleeper who will break out. Uh, does Montreal Washington count as a sleeper? I mean, yes. I, think, I, th I think he's going to win the job. I think he's going to be huge. Uh, special teams has been an issue, and I think he's going to create a big boost, get that Broncos the field position that they've been trying for the past few years. I like Montreal Washington, win the job. What about the bounce back player for the Broncos this season? I'm going to go with KJ Hamler. Uh, and I know he, he obviously had injury, but he was really really getting ready to make a massive impact. And then of course, you know, his whole um, career at that point was derailed by injury. I think he's going to get right back on track. And like we talked about earlier, I think him and Russ are going to make some magic together. Give me KJ Hamler. Oh, definitely. KJ Hamler, if he stays healthy, should be catching a lot of those Russell Wilson moon balls. And last but not least, coach of the year. Is there any coach on the staff that you could think of that will be worthy of that distinction for the Broncos this season? You mean outside of Nathaniel Hackett? If possible. If he can, if he can get this special teams successful, Dwayne Stoops. And this team, special teams has been a thorn in their side. My, my goodness, if he can do what he says he's going to do and really get the special teams to be that third piece to make an impactful difference, then uh, Dwayne Stoops would be coach of the year outside of Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, that's a fantastic choice because the Broncos special teams have been down in the dumps, as you've said, in recent years. Ever since uh, Joe DiCamillis uh, walked out the door, they have just been at the bottom of the barrel in terms of the entire NFL. And if Dwayne Stoops can get them to the middle of the pack or even higher, the Broncos, that can make the difference between them from being a good team and being a great team. That's all there is to it. And Romy, I just cannot thank you enough for joining us. It's the highest pleasure and the greatest joy to have you on our program. It just is. And last year, when you were on this program, you told us that during the Broncos Super Bowl winning 2015 season, you could just feel a special vibe throughout the entire organization that something was happening. From the front office to the players and coaches to the sales team to you and the cheerleaders, literally everyone, everyone that worked for the Broncos that year brought their A game. And earlier this summer, I interviewed your former DBC teammate, McKenna, a seventh-year veteran and second-year team captain on this program. I asked her if she detected a similar feeling this season, and she said yes. So my question is, should I sound the simpatical alert because you agree with McKenna saying she senses very similar vibes that you did in 2015? Oh, okay. Hmm. 
I'm not ready to sign off on that just yet, but here's why. I just haven't seen enough. But what I will tell you is there is certainly a high energy here. I feel it. I feel it everywhere. I absolutely do. You know what? Yes. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, sound the alarm. I feel a great energy here. Not just on the team, but the community. People are revved up. People are excited from the front office, down from the coaching staff, from the players. There is a high energy here. They have their eye on the on the big prize, on that big old trophy. Uh, so you love to see it. It's definitely got similar vibes. Romy Bean, ladies and gentlemen, lead sports reporter and sports anchor for CBS Denver. Follow her on Twitter at Romy underscore Bean and on Instagram at Romy Bean. Romy, thank you so much once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back very soon with the final three episodes of our 2022 Dash of the Draft series, a special training camp eve preview with my man, Mark Schofield, and the final two episodes of our Beyond the Chap series with the 2022 Denver Broncos cheerleader. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Romy Bean, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose empathy, choose selflessness, and all the qualities that make people like Romy so awesome. And please keep the people of Buffalo, Uvalde, Texas, Highland Park, Illinois, and the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine in your thoughts, prayers, and whatever actions possible. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. <laughs>